Hello. Welcome back, A's fans, to the Athletics Baseball Podcast with your host, Taylor. And today, episode 10 on January 16th is also Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So I'll start out by just saying happy MLK Day. I hope that you all have the day off and that you enjoy it that you had fun watching football over the weekend, if that's your thing. And today's episode, I'm mostly going to be talking about the two new international prospects that the A's signed and what that means, the international prospect system, sort of what that means. I'm going to briefly mention an article by Scott Osler in the San Francisco Chronicle, which is titled, A's and Oakland just got served a major reality check in ballpark pursuit. I'm just going to go over that a little bit. I don't want to make this an episode about the ballpark drama or anything like that, but I will briefly talk about that as well. And now, before we go any further, I would just like to remind you all to like and subscribe, follow the podcast, tell your friends and family, leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts, and and also that for any questions, comments, concerns, advice, recommendations for episodes whatever, you can send those to my email, athleticsbaseballpodcast at gmail.com. You can also shoot a comment over on Instagram, which is athletics underscore baseball underscore podcast on Instagram. Now, I'd like to just start off real quick by mentioning a little detail that I did not have at the time of the previous podcast regarding Shintaro Fujinami and the size of his contract. The information had not yet been made public, as far as I'm aware, when I recorded the previous podcast. So, it's a one-year, $3.25 million deal. So, we've got him for one year. We may trade him at some point in the coming season. But the contract is one year, three and a quarter million dollars. And just another example of the A's signing players and spending money, which has really become a theme this offseason, which is surprising. I don't think very many people, A's fans or otherwise, would have guessed that the A's would be spending this much money in the offseason. I didn't think so. And to go along with the A's spending money, they're also signing two international prospects this offseason, or rather, they've already signed them. And let's just talk about, real quick, before I get into these two players, what do I mean by international prospect, and what's different about them than other prospects, and, and that sort of thing. So... With MLB, there's all sorts of rules and regulations about who you can sign, when you can sign them, and things 
like that. There's there's a draft day. There's international free agent signing day when those players start being available to offer contracts to. And there's Rule 5 draft day, and there's just all these days that are designated by the league. With the international prospects, they have to be at least 16 years old when you sign them, and at least 17 by some point in the next season. I think it's like September. They have to turn 17 by September, the year of their signing, something like that. So they have to be 16 years old and several months, essentially. 16 years old and three months, maybe. And there's a limit to how much a team is allowed to spend, from what I know, on international free agents. Now, the meaning of the two words is relatively clear. They're international, so they're, they are non-U.S.-based players. Because U.S.-based players go through a different process. They go through the high school and college draft, typically. So these are foreign players, and usually you, you see a lot of them come from Latin America, and you see many from Asia as well, a handful from other parts of the world. And then prospects is fairly self-explanatory. They are typically young, but not always super young. There's also international free agents, which is slightly different. And the age range that you can find these players to sign as well is sort of visible with the two players that the A's have signed. One is 20 right now, and one is 17. Obviously, with the younger players, it's sort of a long-term, and I mean long-term, investment or gamble where you're you're really not expecting these players to have an impact on your roster, on your major league team, anytime in the next several years. So let's get into these two players that the A's have signed and what we know about them. So we'll start with the bigger signing if you will. That would be Luis Morales. And he is the 20-year-old, as I've mentioned the ages briefly already. He is a right-hand pitcher. So the A's are still going after more pitchers. He is projected to be a starting pitcher, top of the rotation, one, one or two spot in the rotation pitcher, if he pans out how they believe. I think how how they think he will, I suppose. And that says something right there, that the A's are still trying to load up on pitching as much as they can for what they presumably see to be a window of opportunity in a couple of years. He may not be ready right now, but... The A's seem to be hoping that he will be ready within that competitive window, which 
I think might be maybe 2024 season, maybe 2025 season. That's my guess as far as when the A's are planning to be highly competitive and really making moves to try and fight for postseason spots, which would also coincide with anything that would happen with a new ballpark because it would take at least two years, probably more, to build a new ballpark, whether it's in Oakland or elsewhere. And the A's, I believe, would like to have their players, the next core that's highly competitive, on the team when they move to the new ballpark so that they can be good when they have their new stadium. I think that's the goal. So let's talk about Luis Morales a little more. He's a right-handed pitcher, like I said, projected to be a starter. He is 20, he's 6'3", and he's 190 pounds. He is Cuban. What I read about him was that he actually defected from Cuba in order to make his bid to play in Major League Baseball. And right off the bat, it seems to be going fairly well because the report is that the Oakland A's have offered him a multi-million dollar deal to uh, at least a signing bonus to sign with the A's as an international prospect. So he's got several years before he will likely be making any bids for the major league team, but he's already got a couple million dollars in his pocket as compensation for essentially defecting and leaving his country behind, and if he plays it right, if he he uses his money wisely, that should be enough money. If it doesn't work out for him in the big leagues, for him to live a fairly comfortable life. Now, the report on Luis Morales is that he has a lot of stuff, as they say. And what I mean by stuff is just that he throws with a lot of speed, his balls have a lot of action on them, and... That makes it very hard to hit. Generally, a player with a lot of stuff is a guy that's going to get a large amount of strikeouts, which is also what they mention in the report on him, that he set the record for strikeouts in Cuba between 2019 and 2020, and his fastball is also projected to be somewhere between 94 and 97 miles an hour, which is very solid. And he's still young. 20 years old for a pitcher is still pretty young. He's, like I said, 6'3", 190, but it also mentions that he added 10 pounds of muscle in order to improve his strength and presumably his durability, because that's something that would likely improve with more muscle mass. So 
as he continues to mature and fill out his six foot three frame and add strength and muscle as well as work on technique and things, he could add a little bit more speed to his fastball. He is listed as having four nice, solid pitches. That's a fastball, curveball, slider, and changeup, which is a nice rotation of pitches and what you would like to see when you're looking at someone projecting to be a starter. You don't typically want a starter with only three pitches, and someone who only has two pitches is almost guaranteed to be a reliever, if not a closer, depending on how fast they throw and how much curve they get on their breaking balls. I should also mention that he is the number five top-rated international prospect on the top 50 list, and the top-rated pitcher in the international prospect list, which, again, just says the A's are really, really trying to go for pitching. They're doing everything they can, I think, to to just load up on pitchers, and I get it because pitchers can be kind of hit or miss. You, you can have a lot of pitchers who are projected to be big league starters, aces even, that don't ever find any success in the big leagues. And with pitchers being as spotty as they are, it also makes sense why, with many of the trades that the A's have been making in the last year or so, that they have not entirely prioritized quality, as in going for the number one prospect from some other team, a top ten prospect in baseball for one of our top starters. Because even the top prospects miss more than they hit. So if you can sort of hedge that bet by getting two or three guys that are maybe in the top 50 as opposed to one guy in the top 10 or 20, then that's maybe a better way to go. And that's just one way of looking at this whole thing. Now, I just want to say a little bit about the second international prospect that the A's have signed in this offseason, and that is Darling Fernandez. And that is a big league name right there. Darling Fernandez. He is 17 years old. He's a righty. He plays outfield. And he is 6 foot 2, 190 pounds. And there's a picture of him as well. And I've got to say that just going by the picture, he is a bit of a baby face. More so than the 20-year-old Luis Morales, and I think that's a good thing when it comes to signing young prospects. There's an old saying that I believe is a baseball scout saying, and I don't know where I heard this in order to attribute it to anybody in particular, but 
the saying as I remember it is never sign a high school draft pick, as in an 18-year-old draft pick, who has a full beard, because it means that they're done maturing. They're not going to get any taller or bigger and stronger, at least not very much. So to me, it bodes very well that Darling Fernandez is 17 years old, six foot two, 190, so he's not a small guy already, and has a bit of a baby face, because it, to me, going off of that not exactly quote, but old saying that I roughly tried to relay to you, it means that he is not done growing, and not done maturing physically. And that could mean a lot of good things for his power at the plate, his speed, which you obviously need a lot of in the outfield to cover more ground, his arm, which is important as an outfielder, and he is Dominican, which a lot of international prospects come from the Dominican Republic. And in the projection, it also mentions that he is a hit-first guy. So, basically, that they're not drafting him for his defensive ability or his speed or anything like that, but just because he can hit the ball really well. And they probably figure they can work on the defense and everything else. It doesn't, you know, nothing says that he's a horrible defender or anything like that. Just saying that what they see in him is his bat. And that's a good thing because getting a guy whose bat plays well in the major leagues is very difficult to find in young draft picks, whether it's international prospects, the U.S. draft, whatever. It's it's not easy to find guys whose bats play well. So, hopefully, his bat translates well as he progresses through the minor league system of the A's. And he also, I should mention, was signed for what I saw was about a million dollars. So, between these two players that are both young and going to the minor league system of the A's, it's estimated that the A's will be paying somewhere in the vicinity of $3 million. That's just me guessing on the general estimation based off of what I read. And I should also mention real quick that Darling Fernandez is the 40th rated international prospect out of the top 50. So, two guys in the top 50, one in the top 5, and the other one, number 40. Solid pickups for the A's, and nothing is guaranteed in baseball. It's so rare for these guys to actually develop and make it into the big leagues and become contributors, let alone stars, which we all want our team to be 
really successful in drafting and and developing star players. But it's really tough, and we have to rely not only on our scouts to find these guys, but also all of the coaches and trainers from the rookie leagues all the way up to the big leagues to help these guys mature and develop. And it's not easy, I'm sure, and it usually doesn't work out. So with any luck, one or both of these guys will turn into big league players, but we won't know anything about that for several years. We will get a chance to watch them progress through the minor league system of the A's over the next couple of years and see how they're doing. And we can go back in a year from now or so and and see how some of the minor league guys are progressing. I think it's time now to talk about the news article that I had mentioned previously, the article from Scott Osler in the San Francisco Chronicle. Now, I don't want to get super into the ballpark drama, and by the ballpark drama I mean will the A's stay in Oakland or leave and go to presumably Las Vegas. I don't want to I don't want to get into that now. I'll do an episode on it at a different point in time. But I did see this article and it's been getting some some talk on the internet. And so I just wanted to briefly discuss it a little bit. It's basically a hit piece. The San Francisco Chronicle does not have very many articles that are favorable to the Oakland Athletics. It's basically a hit piece both for the A's and for Oakland, and I'm not incredibly surprised, and I don't think you should be either. It's the San Francisco Chronicle, so it kind of makes sense that they have a little bit of a Giants bent. They favor the Giants a little bit, I think. So it starts out by just saying, the Oakland A's have been ruining baseball for Oakland for many years. Now they're threatening to ruin Oakland for Oakland. Okay. Really? (laughs) They're ruining baseball for Oakland? There would be no baseball for Oakland without the Oakland A's. And how would they ruin Oakland? It's just... The whole thing is ridiculous. It's it's basically a hit piece based around the fact that the city of Oakland got zero dollars out of 182 million possible dollars in a federal grant that the city applied for to help pay for infrastructure for the proposed new stadium at Howard Terminal in Oakland by Jack London. And... It's just ridiculous right on the face of it because the city has already secured a lot of money, over $300 million, to help pay for infrastructure as far as what I have seen. And this money was never mentioned as being critical or necessary for the development project for the new ballpark to happen or for the talks to continue, and it just makes sense if you've got two sides who want something to happen, aka the team 
the Oakland Athletics and the city of Oakland wanting the new ballpark to be built, it just makes sense for both of them to pursue as much available money for the massive cost of such an endeavor as possible, and in ways that least negatively impact either one of them. For instance, the team wants to pay for as little as possible, and the city wants to pay for as little as possible. And the number one easiest on its face right there way to do it is for the state and the federal governments to pay for that with money that's already there in the form of grants waiting to be allocated for appropriate projects. I don't think that the deal is hanging by a thread. I think that the negotiations in some part have to begin again because of the new mayor that got elected in this past election, but I think that a lot of it is still set, and like I said, the city already has a lot of money, and the A's have already agreed to pay for the vast majority of the expenditures, such as the entire ballpark and the entire housing facilities that are proposed, and and that's just my understanding. I, I could be wrong. I haven't gone thoroughly into detail on this lately. I have before, but it's been a while because this has been a quite a long process <laughs> at this point, and a very frustrating one as well for me and for, I'm sure, a lot of other A's fans out there. One interesting and ridiculous thing that this article says is that if there's any more delay, that it's just going to be oh so terrible for the city of Oakland because the delay is delaying other teams from sinking their teeth into Oakland, which of course all the residents of Oakland really want. They really, really want a WNBA expansion team, which is what the article implies. A WNBA expansion team. I can't think of a single person who is just hoping and waiting and on on the tips of their toes wanting a WNBA expansion team in Oakland that they're going to fervently follow. I can't think of one person that I know. And it certainly isn't me, either. <laughs> There's... How about a second-tier soccer team, not not an MLS team, you know, which is already second-tier by the rest of the world's standards, but how about a soccer team that's a tier below Major League Soccer? That's what the Oakland people really want. That's what just gets them excited. Kick the A's out and bring in a WNBA team and a lower tier, essentially a minor league soccer team. Yeah, now you're talking. Get the A's out of here, right? Because that's what we all want. No. Are you kidding me? I don't think that you're gonna... You can remove every single other sport in the city. Even local colleges. You can get rid of Laney College sports 
and I don't think that you're going to have a crowd showing up at the WNBA or the minor league soccer team at, at any of their games in Oakland. No, not me, not my friends or family either. I, I know that already. I don't even have to ask them. It's just ridiculous what, what the article is, is trying to say. So <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it there. I don't know. It makes me so mad to see stuff like that. It, it makes me so mad. I think you can, you can probably guess how I feel about the A's potentially leaving Oakland. And I'm not going to get into that or the proposed new ballpark or anything else, relocation, whatever. I'm not going to get into any of that today. I'll do that another time. I'll have a whole episode devoted just to that. And yes, if any of you saw some comments on Instagram, I will at some point really soon be talking about John Fisher and the A's finances and various things like what I think the plan of the team is short and long term and and can we expect to see more investment from John Fisher and why or why not and and talking more about John Fisher and and um you might have a thought about what that conversation will be like maybe based off of some of the ballpark stuff that I just said and and maybe based off of the projected title for the episode which I'll tell you right now even though I won't tell you when it's going to happen but it will be soon the projected title is the deep pockets of John Fisher so take that with you and go and have a great week hope you enjoy your Monday off, those of you who have Monday off, those of you who don't, sorry about that. Hope you enjoyed your weekends. Hope you all enjoyed any other sports other than baseball that you may have partaken in this weekend. And thanks for listening to the Athletics Baseball Podcast. Make sure to tune in again on Thursday where I'll have another episode for you guys. And have a great rest of your week.